Your company's future success demands agile, flexible, and resilient operations. I'm your host, Daphne Luchtenberg, and you're listening to McKinsey Talks Operations, a podcast where the world's C-suite leaders and McKinsey experts cut through the noise and uncover how to create a new operational reality. Africa's population is set to double by 2050. Its urban population will triple, and 40% of the total population will be younger than 15. The economy will need to add jobs, and lots of them. The manufacturing sector provides an answer. If developed in a strategic and resilient way, a competitive manufacturing sector could play a pivotal role in helping Africa reach its full potential in the global economy. I'm here today with Dr. Amy Jadassimi, Managing Director of LADOL, David Meredith, and Kanan Lakmiran from McKinsey & Company. Each is playing an important role in shaping manufacturing Africa, and we will be talking about the opportunities the manufacturing sector can offer, what Manufacturing Africa initiative entails, and how some of the trends in manufacturing are impacting this emerging market. Dr. Jadassimi, welcome. Great to have you here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Daphne. Thank you for inviting me. Kanan, great to have you here in this group as well. Thank you for having me and looking forward to the session. So let me get started. And David, I'd like to bring you in here, first of all. Can you say something more around the manufacturing sector and how it's supporting sustainable, inclusive growth? Manufacturing, when you look at the history of economic development, has typically been the cornerstone of the economic transformation of countries. It's a bedrock of a growing economy. It boosts productivity, unlocks economic growth, and it creates jobs. And when you look at the demographics in Africa, you see that the growing labor force would need something like 18 million new jobs a year to absorb that growth up until 2035. And so manufacturing will have to be a core part of ensuring that we have sustainable economies in Africa. And there'll be a core part of ensuring that we have prosperity in Africa. At the same time, business models allow access to financing, they allow expertise to come in, they allow expertise to be leveraged in existing businesses, etc. So it's an important part of a transition in any economy, and it's going to be particularly important in Africa. And can you, on the back of that, then talk a little bit about what the Manufacturing Africa Initiative is hoping to achieve? So what Manufacturing Africa is, and it's a FCDO, which is the Foreign Corporate Development Office funded program that McKinsey supports, is it looks to increase FDI flows, so that's foreign direct investment, into the manufacturing sector in Africa, in particular focused on green manufacturing. So manufacturing that's by definition is sustainable, but also inclusive manufacturing. What it aims to do is identify a pipeline of potential investment opportunities where FDI could play a role. It then provides transaction facilitation to make those opportunities more investable. And off the back of that, then creates opportunities for those investments. And we've so far seen really quite significant FDI flows into manufacturing, into manufacturing off the back of that. And uh, I think we'll talk about a bit later, you know, a really significant increase in the jobs available. McKinsey's work in particular it's sort of the financial analysis, the modeling, the marketing, the business plan, the technical systems, all those things that we need to do to make those opportunities investable. And Dr. Jadassimi, I'd love to bring you in here. Could you say a little bit more around your role as the managing director of LADOL and the role that you've played within Manufacturing Africa? So LADOL is short for LADOL Free Zone. That's a special economic zone in Lagos, the commercial capital of Nigeria, 
We are a sustainable industrial special economic zone that plan to be net zero by 2035. And we started developing the zone out of a swamp, an unused swamp, which was in the harbor and set aside for future development. So within the zone, we built all the usual terminal infrastructure like quaysides, warehousing. But we carry out very specialized services that effectively enable industrialization by carrying out aspects of the value chain that have never previously been done in countries. So, for example, carrying out very heavy lifts, enabling work to happen 24-7 in a secure ecosystem where activities are uninterrupted. So during COVID, we didn't have a single day of downtime and we support really massive projects. And the thing is, if you can support the most complex, the most challenging aspect of an industrial process to happen in country, then everything downstream of that happens but also automatically because it is then advantageous to carry out all the activities downstream of that in country. And this is not a new concept. Wealthy countries across the world developed by having critical infrastructure like LADOL built that have a multiplier effect on job creation. So for every one job, we create five to 15 jobs are created outside. So in some ways, LADOL is an operator. We operate the zone and we operate the logistics and storage and heavy lift activities in the zone. We're also a platform to enable other people to operate inside this sustainable ecosystem that we've developed. So Manufacturing Africa looked at the whole gamut of what LADOL is from our role as the developer and an operator to our role as a developer and supporter of a whole range of companies in a wide range of industries. And therefore, they supported us in terms of defining and refining what we do to manage the zone, what we do to manage our own business and also in how we can offer the platform we provide to a range of manufacturing companies, small to large. And the idea is for international companies, they can come and operate close to one of the largest growing markets in the world, the West African market, but they're doing it in an ecosystem that has all the financial benefits, all the regulatory benefits of being in any other free zone in the world, as well as offering the workforce, the know-how that LADOL also brings to the table. It's also really important that the operations in LADOL are sustainable. Sustainability to us is defined as the UN 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And so we have those goals embedded in our policies and procedures and our ISO standards that we've achieved. And that is critical because we believe that in low-income, high-growth countries like Nigeria, we have the opportunity to develop sustainable industries. And a big part of doing that is having a strong transition strategy, so leveraging our commodity export businesses to finance the development of infrastructure, facilities, equipment that enable us to support a wide range of industries and to manufacture locally, but to manufacture sustainably. And the last thing I'll say about that is that this drive for sustainability is driven by the reality that sustainable businesses 
are more profitable businesses in the medium to long term. So we're not about sustainability because it's a gimmick or because it looks good or even because it's a good way of fundraising. We're about sustainability because it is the smartest, most effective, most profitable business strategy. Really interesting to see where it can go from here. And Dr. Jadassimi, um, I imagine that there are also some things we'd like to change, particularly when it comes to attracting investment. What are some of the observations you would make there? I think the key thing we need to ensure for sustainable industrialization to happen is that we recognized that what we need to fund is not net zero today, but a transition strategy towards net zero tomorrow. What that means practically is that organizations like Manufacturing Africa can help to codify, can help to benchmark, can help to validate people's transition strategies to demonstrate how they are using the revenues they're getting today from the industries that give them the kinds of incomes they need to borrow money, because you can't borrow money in Africa unless it's clear, pretty much guaranteed that you're going to be able to pay it back. And most of the really big projects around that have to do with commodity exports. But there are companies out that can demonstrate that they're using those revenues to invest into infrastructure and facilities that will transition them completely away from dependence on raw commodity export to a net zero future. And that is essential to enabling us to see sustainable industrialization across the continent. Kamala, I wanted to bring you in here to talk about what you see as the future of manufacturing in Africa. And very specifically, I'd love to hear your point of view on how the introduction of digital manufacturing will have an impact and what kind of momentum do you see there? Look, I think generally manufacturing is critical to, as David said, the prosperity of the region. So the ability to look at what can you leverage already that you're doing in the country. So if you're making primary goods, can you do with that? How can you process it? We have blessed with lots of agriculture, natural resources, but also minerals and so on. I think there's an element of import substitution for some of our critical needs. And we've identified in the countries we work in where those potential areas are. And digital and analytics, I would say, broadly are important in several ways. One is how to make manufacturing more efficient, safer, more effective, learning from kind of other countries, but also leveraging digital and analytics to reduce the cost of the product or goods and make it more affordable in a market where income levels might be lower, the affordability levels are lower. So how do you get a minimum viable product that meets the needs and how do you use digital analytics to help, one, get the product out there, but also understand how the product's been used and improve it. Electric vehicles is one great example where we're looking at electric two-wheelers, the use of digital in health tech products, the use of digital and analytics in agro-processing and getting goods to market and goods from producers. All of these are kind of use cases. We've supported over 120 transactions now, and we're seeing some interest in choices and opportunities for deployment of digital and analytics. Fascinating. And of course, the skills building will be an, a really important part of that. Can you speak a little bit to that, Kanan? I think what we're learning, I think you can focus on what's really needed in different parts of the value chain. And I think in Africa, we already have individuals or the capabilities to do that with some training. So I think we can fast track capability building. And in a way, that's a leapfrogging opportunity. 
and focus on what's really needed in parts of the value chain. And we've seen examples of that already. And we've got to also then shift from just looking at qualifications to looking at capacity and capabilities to learn and deploy certain skills. And we've seen that. We've seen some interesting case examples of looking at certain communities. That's where you want to deploy the facility, who's around there, and looking at those people and building their capacity to work in that environment rather than looking at what are their qualifications. And I think that's what we have to do. Otherwise, we'll keep bringing in labor and resources rather than being a bit more patient, but then having a more sustainable and inclusive solution. And Dr. Genesimi, you must have hands-on experience of this, where you're keen to get started, mobilize fast, and giving people opportunity to learn on the job, as it were. Yes. So Nigeria is a place where we do have a young population. We uh, therefore are inundated with people who are functionally numerate, but may not have had the best educational opportunities and don't have the best experience. On top of that, what we're doing is quite specialized. The main thing we have to do is put a structure in place. So have a structure where we bring people in, we use technology, and by technology, I do mean work instructions, policies, procedures. People talk a lot about technology as if it's kind of this magic bullet, but you have to get a bit geeky with this kind of thing. You really have to put a lot of time and effort into putting together very detailed policies and procedures so that when someone gets in, they can effectively hit the ground running. And then what we find is that the learning rate is really quick, the uptake is really quick, and very soon you start to see staff training each other. And because we have a community at Ladol, we're like a small industrial village, you also have a strong sense of people taking responsibility, not just for their job, but for keeping the community safe and efficient. Fantastic. Great to see that, learning from each other and sharing the knowledge. I know a really important driver for Manufacturing Africa is also the gender and the social inclusion element. And Dr. Jadasimi, I know you're probably one of the few female leaders still today. Can you talk a little bit more about your vision and your passion for changing that? Thank you. So one thing I'll say is the context of women in business hasn't changed that much over the past 20 years. And that's despite the fact that there is now irrefutable evidence that most people accept that having women in leadership positions, not just leadership team, but diverse working team from top to bottom actually makes you more money, makes your workplace more safe, makes your workplace more sustainable. So there are all these statistics. You can increase your return on investment by 30%. Your chances of survival, the five-year mark if you're a startup, I think is 75%. If you have female is one of the founders. So all this data is out there, but people are not taking it up. So what that means is that the onus is on women. So a lot of our focus is around educating women about the fact that particularly in low-income, high-growth countries like Nigeria, women are critical to us succeeding in minimizing or eliminating poverty, social justice, and having successful, sustainable industrialization. So empowering the women with the knowledge of how important they are, whether they are in public sector, in private sector, or they stay at home, 
gives them the strengths, really, and the encouragement they need to go for those jobs that they wouldn't otherwise do, to insist on staying in school, to speak up if they're not being treated fairly, or if they need more training, or if they want to go on maternity leave, but then come back. And that does not mean that you leave the men out of the equation, because the men are being educated by these women. And the men are seeing the benefits in real time in terms of the deliverables from their teams, even when they're being led by a woman, because statistics on a piece of paper or in an announcement don't have quite the same impact of working side by side with somebody and seeing the benefits they bring. Yeah, very interesting. Dr. Jadisimi, what are some of the challenges you're setting yourself for the next year or two that are achievable in your mind, but still big mountains to climb? So what I'm looking at in terms of my role as MD of Ladol is solidifying the base we've built in the zone with revenues coming in from our specialized logistics business, working with our local and international partners in the zone, and then leveraging the significant operations we have ongoing in the zone to expand away from our commodities business into agricultural processing and green technology. And on that side of the business, we are leveraging our master plan. Our master plan has at its core a circular economy and bringing in agricultural processing companies, for example, will enable us to use biomass for power, which will bring us closer to our net zero by 2035 plan. But the key is to also demonstrate that this is a blueprint that can be used for sustainable development across the continent of Africa and to remind people that sustainability equals profitability by demonstrating that on the ground. And Canon, can you say a little bit about some of the impact that we're already seeing from Manufacturing Africa today? So since the program started in late 2019, we've supported over 126 transactions, so real transactions across six countries. And already over 25 have closed. That means they've actually attracted investment. And in some cases, they've been completed building whatever they needed to build the investments into equipment. And this has resulted in over $800 million of foreign direct investment in the sector. And in those transactions, already over 14,000 jobs, just direct and indirect jobs, without counting the value chain jobs. And and if you look at all the transactions that we think are likely to close, we'll hopefully hit over 100,000 jobs created without looking at the supply chain effect. So this is already the impact. I think what's also important, it starts to demonstrate that certain sectors are attractive, and then you find other transaction close where we haven't supported. So we've seen that as well. And some of the broader market work that we've done has resulted in DFIs in particular, making investments where we haven't supported. A good example is in the electric vehicle sector, electric two-wheelers, where some DFIs have made investments on the back of market assessment work, for example, that Manufacturing Africa did. Similarly, in pharmaceuticals, there's also been examples. So we haven't even counted that as impact. Wonderful. So a lot more to do, but a great blueprint for progress. Kenan, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. It was a pleasure to do this. And David, thank you for being part of this story. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. And Dr. Jadisimi, thank you so much. I know you're hugely busy, but we really appreciate you adding color to the impact that is being created. 
Thank you. Excellent and important podcast and pleasure to participate. Fantastic. You've been listening to McKinsey Talks Operations with me, Daphne Luchtenberg. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. Another great episode starts now. Thank you.